Hola a todos, mi nombre es Sirgan So con Our Bridge for Kids. Bienvenidos a Aldersgate en el aire. Hi everyone, this is Sirgan So with Our Bridge for Kids. Welcome to Aldersgate on Air. Welcome back, friends. Thanks for joining us for another life-changing episode of Aldersgate on Air. And when I say life-changing, that's not just metaphoric or symbolic change, because today's guest, Silcan So, has been changing lives, at least on an official level, here in Charlotte since 2010. Seal is the founder and executive director of Our Bridge for Kids. She moved to Charlotte in 2003 from Buenos Aires, Argentina, and became involved with refugee and immigrant families in 2010 when she recognized the lack of educational and socio-emotional support for newly arrived children. She was inspired to create Our Bridge, a safe, nurturing, and respectful environment where refugee and immigrant children can learn English, be encouraged to achieve academic excellence and cultural pride, and where their families can feel welcome and embraced as they strive to start their lives anew in the United States. In part one of this two-part episode, Seal shares her experiences in coming to the United States, getting involved with refugee and immigrant families, the formation of Our Bridge, its partnership with Aldersgate, and its evolution into a multifaceted organization that feeds thousands of people a week, provides free transportation to schools, promotes engaging cultural clubs and events, and aims to help close the communication gap between schools, teachers, and families. We also talked to a very special group of kids who have been through the program. They share their experiences of growing up with Our Bridge and what the organization has meant to them. And make sure you stick around for part two because we talked to an inspirational Aldersgate resident who has first-hand experience with the organization and an absolutely incredible story of finding out his true cultural identity late in life and how he used that experience to lend a hand with Arbridge. It really is an absolutely epic story you don't want to miss. Now please welcome to Aldersgate On Air from Arbridge for Kids, Sil Canso. Hey Sil, thank you so much for joining me today. I am really excited to talk to you about all of the awesome stuff you've got going on over there at Arbridge. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Woo this is my first podcast, I think. Wait, really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, that is amazing. And I think the cool thing about that is we're going to learn and grow together and we're going to share the awesomeness together. So I think it's going to be an amazing episode and I will try my best to take it easy on you. No promises, though. But before we dig into the heart of our bridge, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I know you came from Argentina, right? That's right. Cool. So what brought you to the U.S. and what was your initial experience after getting here? Um, yeah, so I, I'm born and raised in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, I came to the States when I was 20 with um, a work visa as an au pair. And um, it, was, it was somewhat of a sudden decision. I was working um, as a waitress in downtown Buenos Aires, and somebody just handled a flyer on a, on a corner uh, while I was working that said, you know, um, it, do you want to work and study in the United States? For a year, and I said, "Well, that sounds like a great idea." So um, I I called the um, Oakland America office, and five months later, I was in Connecticut in a Holiday Inn with hundreds of um, girls from other parts of the world, and and getting ready for this adventure. Um, it was it was exciting. Um, I never felt nervous or scared. 
Um, and then after that week in Connecticut with uh, a cultural orientation, which meant nothing because nothing can prepare you for when you come to Charlotte. Um, yeah, so I mean, I was the only one coming to Charlotte. Um, and the one time that I felt scared, it's when um, we were leaving the hotel uh, towards the airport. You know, some girls were going to um, JFK, some others were going to um, LaGuardia. And the bus driver were, was asking us, you know, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to San Diego. Where are you going? I'm staying in New York. Where are you going? I'm going to Chicago. And when it was my turn, I'm like, I'm going to Charlotte. And he was like, so why are you going? What are you going to do there? There's nothing there. And it's like my entire world just collapsed because I was like, I mean, I was so excited about, you know, and, and the house that I was going to live, it was a house on Lake Norman, which is uh, north of Charlotte in Mooresville. And the guy kept talking about how empty and lonely Charlotte was and, and, and how much I was going to hate it. And I just wanted to go home. Oh. <laughs> it was just terrible. Um, it rained on your parade. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was 20 and I had no idea what I was going. I had just, um, you know, I was very um, excited and looking forward. And then this guy was like, you are going to hate it. Um, but I arrived and it was, it, it was, it was good. I mean, I loved it. It felt like home forever. Um, I met my husband here and uh, it's been a long time. We have um, two kids, you know, Ivan, it's 14 and Martina, it's 10. Um, so yeah, I made Charlotte my home and, and I really love it. I'm very, very excited and um, I'm thankful that by chance I ended up being here. Yeah. So for you, it was really kind of an adventure and a chance to get a change of scenery. How long did it take you before you really caught a foothold and started being able to make things work for you here? That's a great question. Um, so, yeah, so that at the beginning was a, it was an adventure. Um, I, it was tough because I mean, it was not a good match with the family that I, that I made a match here. Um, I actually asked for a rematch like three months after I was their first au pair and I think they, the family did not understand what my role was. And they wanted me to work, you know, uh, 50 hours a week, day, nights, cooking, cleaning, and um, no weekends. And um, they, they didn't give me a, a home. Like a lot of our, our prayers, girls, I mean, they have a room inside a house because they're supposed to be part of the family, right? And right. learn the culture and, and teach the family about your culture, which is what brought me into the idea the program and, and everything and but this family I was their first one and they had this shed out in the woods and which is where the the people that lived there were building the house so it was it was a tiny cabin and it didn't have a computer it didn't have tv it didn't I didn't have a phone um of course phones were not very popular <laughs> this is a long time ago <laughs> But um, I only had an AM uh, FM radio, and uh, it was terrible. It was scary, and, and, and it, was, it was terrible. So I, I changed families, um, and I went to Atlanta for the second part of my year. And Atlanta, it's a whole different beast. Atlanta, it's, it, it, was, um, it was my first experience with um, 
you know, the racial issues that are in the United States that I was not aware at all. Like I learned in Atlanta, I learned about MLK and I learned about the underground and I learned about um, the Civil War. And I spent a lot of time in the library. I remember just um, spending, just walking towards the library in the area where I was in and just reading these books about the Civil War. And I, I tried to teach myself the best, most accurate side of history but it was Atlanta Georgia so everything I taught myself I had to like teach again later on the years um so yeah I mean it was it was a year of just learning and experiencing and um it was it was amazing I wouldn't change it for for the world um then uh, when I met my well you know we dated my husband for a while and uh, we got married and I think um Charlotte really, really quickly became my home. Um, it took me a while to find my call here. Um, I became an x-ray technician, so I did that for a while, um, and I ended up hating it. <laughs> oh, <And> no. <laughs> I, when my daughter was born, I realized that I, I had to, if I was going to spend time outside of my house, I really wanted to, to be something that I enjoyed doing. And, you know, like I said before, cultures and sharing um, – you know, your tradition this has always been super important to me since I was very, very young. Um, so when I found out that there were refugees living in Charlotte, um, I think that's when I, I, I found it, you know, I mean, I found not just my, my, what was working for me, but I, I found my goal. Like I found myself, you know, cause I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and it just, it, I knew it was it as soon as I heard that, you know, Charlotte had 17,000 refugees living here and I didn't know. Um, yeah, so I think that's when, when I actually felt like home. But it, it felt like home before, don't get me wrong. It's just that, you know, a lot of times you, you live for work and yeah, it's, it's like, um, you know, you live to, you work for, to survive. And it's just like the days go and you just are like a machine and you just do and do and do, but meaning nothing. Um, when I, when I found out about refugees in Charlotte, I mean, I, I kind of, I knew what I wanted to do. So it really became your calling. Right. Not just a job with no purpose. Right. It's the difference between, you know, um, having a job and, and having a career, you know, I mean, this is, this, this is what's more than a job for me. So then let's fast forward a few years. How did you come to be involved in Our Bridge? And I guess at the same time, tell us what is Our Bridge? You know, what's it all about? How did it get started? And what role did you play initially? Yeah, so um, when I when I found out, um, you know, the, the cultural diversity that lived right here in Charlotte was 2010 when I was hired um, to work for a for-profit company that offered an after-school program. And a lot of the kids that participated in the after school program were Title I kids that were newly arrived. And um, I was the admin. So I was just, you know, the, the, um, the copy girl. <laughs> and um, that's, that was 2010. Um, and I, that's when I met so many of the kids that now call the, the OGs. And they were in <laughs> oh, kindergarten geez. then. And they were newly arrived. And they couldn't speak English. And it was just so funny because I have this um, memories, like flash memories of them, like pointing to go to the bathroom. And now I see them and we're having like adult conversations. And it just blows my mind. So, um, yeah, so I was the admin for about two years. Um, the owners of that company um, were not very socially, uh, you know, they, they, they 
they were they were a, a for-profit company, right? So they were in for for a business. And um, when the they stopped receiving funding from the government to support ELL students, English language learners, they just decided to close. Um, and that was year three. But by year two, I was program director. Um, so year three and four, they still had to finish with a federal grant with half of the money that they actually needed to offer the program. So I took it over and ran the program and finished it stronger than we started with half of the money that we actually needed. Um, and, you know, of course, there wasn't any fundraising. We were not a 501c3. Um, we barely, I mean, we had to offer the service to the same number of kids, still transportation and offering snacks and food and without money. So I started like building relationships in the community and finding um, the resources to actually make it. Um, and it was then um, 2013 that I, I met a group of volunteers and we all did it basically for free. That last year was terrible. I mean, cause we had no money we had to pay. I mean, all of the money went to rent. Um, so, you know, and, and I think in that times of, of so much, uh, um, challenges that we all grew so closer, you know, to each other. Like with the kids, the kids had the best time of their lives, just sliding down a hill with a cardboard. <laughs> you know, I mean, there weren't any robotics club there. Right. <laughs> and, and they may tell you, I mean, we had um, donations from Panera Bread because we couldn't afford to buy anything. So Panera will give us day-old, um, very expensive muffins, <laughs> and the kids will eat that, uh, or dino nuggets, or um, you know, half a banana, or whatever. Um, yeah, so we struggled. And um, that last year, um, I realized that I, I, I couldn't just depend on this for-profit company to give us a job. So I realized also that there wasn't, in Charlotte, another place that was non-faith-based, which is what... I kind of built while I was program director. Um, and I just decided to, I mean, if, if this has to continue and the only way to make it continue, it's by, you know, getting a 501c3 and, and doing it. I had people saying that we shouldn't uh, because it's, it's crazy and it's expensive and it's a lot and you don't know what you're doing. And um, I had zero experience in running a not-for-profit. I mean, I had no idea what bylaws are or, you know, <laughs> um, 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 incorporation, articles of incorporation, like zero. Um, so um, I started just calling lawyers around town to see who can take our case pro bono. And um, only one lawyer, my last chance, I, I picked up the phone and called somebody after a lot of people saying, you know, yeah, they'll call you back. No, we don't do that. Uh, this guy answered the phone. The actual lawyer answered the phone and he spent 45 minutes with me answering every stupid question I had and um, he, he was amazing. His name was David Welpley. And uh, he works for Maguire Woods here in Charlotte. And, you know, he said, just send me an email with everything that we talked and, and we'll be in touch. And a couple of days later, they took um, our rich pro bono and they did everything for us. Uh, until today, I mean, they are our, um, you know, our legal team and they never charge us a dime. And uh, it's been crazy. And then people just gave us the money to pay for the fees. Because, of course, I didn't have any money to pay for the fees. <laughs> uh, but we made it. And it was crazy. And it was amazing. And the best part was when we, um, when we came back and rented this space um, as our bridge. So before we call it the bridge, um, 
it was like a nickname for the for-profit companies um, after-school program, and we changed it to Our Bridge now because it's not The Bridge anymore; it's Our Bridge. Um, so we started back, you know, without skipping a beat. Um, we applied for a federal grant um, under our name. Um, we we became um, fairly well known really quickly too. You know, I mean, we got um, uh, there is a foundation here in Charlotte called Reimprints Fund, and um, the the founder, uh, Charlie Elberson, I mean, he is a risk taker and he loved the idea and he just gave us two 15 passenger vans to start and without even us having any data or strategic plan or anything. <laughs> here you go. Have some vans. What do you need? Any vans? Okay, here you go. And it was, <laughs> it was crazy. Um, and we started and we just never stopped, you know, um, and we spent in that space paying a lot of rent for two years um, until our program grew and we had a lot of kids in the waiting list. Um, you know, our programs really solidified into kids. It, it's for kids that are newly arrived as refugee immigrants, asylum seekers. Um, and we wanted to help them learn English and feel welcomed, um, help them emotionally through the transition and, you know, help them feel proud of who they are and where they come from. Because, you know, I, uh, that's, that's how I feel, you know, I mean, I, I have an accent and, and I think it's important for kids to see that it's, it's okay to have an accent. It means that you're courageous and it means that you speak another language. So, yeah. um, so all of that we wanted to include into this new program and we did it and it just grew from there. Um, and in 2017, Aldersgate found out about our, us and our work and just came forward and say, Hey, we have this awesome building. It's three times bigger than the space you're now. It has you know, acres of land to play and it's just a dollar a year. <laughs> so it's okay. Yes, sure. <laughs> wow. That's that just crazy. So you've got this big epic building, you've got some vans, you got support from the community. Mm -hmm. And so really this is something that you have grown almost from the onset of its current incarnation, right? Mm -hmm. So then what does our bridge really mean? What is the origin of that particular name? Um, so I think that the way we see it, it's, you know, um, one day you are thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away in another world, you know, I mean, you are in another country, speak another language with whole complete different, you know, um, social expectations and cultures and traditions and beliefs. And the next day you're here and you're expected, especially from, from the point of view of a kid, you know, you are, maybe you've never held a pencil before because the way that, that, that you have lived, I mean, we have kids who were born in refugee camps um, or kids who had a very good, you know, um, established family unit uh, with business, businesses and then war exploded and they had to, to run. So you don't know what happened before they got here. Right. Um, and, once they're here, you need, kids need that transitional space. So the bridge is kind of a transition, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's the place between home and the school uh, where you, you can make it whatever it is that you want it to be. You know, I mean, they can, they can play, they can learn. I mean, they, they, um, they learn at their own pace and they learn about what things that they love to do and where they can feel free of sharing what they do at home. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's really that in between worlds. Okay. Um, but that was too long of a name. <laughs> yeah, that would be a long name. So the primary mission then is to help young kids integrate while still maintaining their individual and their cultural identities, correct? 
Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we make a, a huge point into um, educating the community about the difference between assimilation and like integration and acculturation, because assimilation really means that the dominant culture supersedes your own culture, you know, um, kind of takes we, it over. Right. So what we want to do is it gets to balance both because you can actually be both. You can, you can be 100% American. You can be 100% Nepali um, and helping kids understand that that's actually a very positive beneficial thing for their own selves growing up. And it's nothing to be ashamed or embarrassed. Um, um, I, I tell the OGs, the kids that, um, that are going to speak with us in a little bit, I, all the time I tell them, I mean, you need to, you need to learn how to speak and write and read in Nepali because you're there growing older and it's like they forget. Um, but I keep pushing them because I mean, someday they're going to remember. Right. <laughs> um, and they're like, oh, I know, I know. Huh. Um, yeah. So it's, it's important, you know, I mean, and, and um, I, I love it when they, when they're, when they come to a center excited to, to show a new dance that they're doing uh, in a traditional performance for one of the festivals or, um, I love that they free, they feel free to show us and everybody at the center about their culture and the traditions and their food. Yeah. Yeah. And you had mentioned when we were first getting introduced on our very first conversation that you kind of at some point realized that there was somewhat of a lack of support for a lot of non-Christian people. And mm -hmm. you kind of expanded the program to encompass all religions and all walks of life. So Tell us how many nationalities are represented, how many languages are spoken, and why the drive to really focus on those particular elements. Yeah, so um, Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, it's uh, our district, uh, and it's a huge district. Um, and within the school population in the whole entire county, um, there are 187 87 countries that represented and there are 195 countries in the world. So almost every country in the world is represented in our uh, public school system. And it blows my mind because, you know, Charlotte is not LA or New York or Miami, you know, all this huge, big, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. It's, it's Charlotte and we have about a million uh, people living here and so many of us come from other places and um, that's just amazing. Um, and a lot of the families that come in come from um, non-Christian countries. And when they come here before our bridge, uh, most of the support that they will find will come from churches. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I, I wanted to offer families um, the opportunity for the kids to be somewhere where, you know, religion is not, we talk about it, but it's not taught. Right. You know, I mean, the kids teach each other about their religion, but it's not something that we, um, that we, um, you know, share with them. It's, it's to completely up to them and their parents. Um, and we celebrate. They bring it with them. Right, right. And it's, it's so important for them to teach other kids why they celebrate, you know, Ramadan or why, uh, what's holy. And, I mean, we all can celebrate. We can all, you know, play together and, and celebrate holy with. Uh, we, we had the best, the last day uh, that we had a celebration at the center last year before COVID was, um, was, was Holly. It was the, the Festival of Colors. You know, they throw the color powder and the kids loved it. We all loved it and we all learned what it is. And, you know, the Hindu kids were like so crazy about, you know, talking about it. They, they felt so proud. And that's exactly what we do. Um, yeah, so I, I thought it was important. And I, I, I think it's important for the kids to understand. So it's okay uh, to be different, to believe different things. And 
at the same time, it's, it's, it's a goal to teach our community about respecting that. Right. You know, we don't have to change who the refugees are. We need to embrace them 100% with their culture, the traditions, the food, and the religion, you know. So how do you do that? What's your mechanism to kind of maybe help some people who aren't familiar with such a broad diversity of ethnicities and religions? How do you help people alleviate those fears and how do you ingratiate them to your cause and help them understand what it is you're trying to do? So we have several, um, well, I do, I do a lot of, um, uh, like public speaking during panels and um, I go to schools, especially the public schools. I mean, I've been invited to talk about many times and I really enjoy it. Um, then we have um, special events at the center, like Welcoming America is one of them that happens every September that um, our kids dance and we eat food from all over the world. And, um, you know, I mean, when we, when we talk to people, we share that and, and we said we are not faith-based and, and, uh, we invite them to come and, and celebrate. Um, at the same time, when we have groups of people that want to volunteer, they have to go through an orientation, um, volunteer or work, or just be close to our kids. Um, go on orientation, and we explain why. And a lot of times it becomes a very healthy discussion. Um, and it's, I think that we are very good at kind of planting the seed of, you know, this is how we do it, why we do it. And we encourage people to actually, you know, find or educate themselves or ask questions. Um, and sometimes it doesn't work and that's okay. Um, um, but, you know, I mean, I, Charlotte, it's, it's such a, um, I love our neighbors. Uh, we've never had any instance in somebody pushing back on this. Um, we partner with, um, you know, with Methodist churches. We partner with the Jewish Community Center. We partner with the um, Islamic school across the street, the Catholic school across the street, um, Catholic churches. Uh, we, we have very good partnerships, like um, intra-faith, interfaith partnerships. And um, it's beautiful to see um, how much more we can do together without trying to push our beliefs into the other. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a movement that it's, it is growing. Um, Charlotte is evolving a lot. It's already a lot different than it was when I came um, or when I started noticing things here. Um, so it's, I think that we're getting a lot better at respecting and embracing and um, just welcoming. Yeah, for sure. So in addition to those services that you offer that are scholastic and integration-based, you also offer a food distribution program that's pretty epic. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so um, the food that we offer our children has always have a has always been the utmost importance. Um, you know, as an after-school program, um, the, I remember, I mean, I told you that before, the bar is really low about, you know, the food that we can offer our kids. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's terrible to laugh. But when you hear about it, it just blows your mind. I mean, the concept itself of a bar being so low with something so simple as food and nutrition, as a chef, I just right. can't wrap my head around it. It's just so crazy. I mean, it's, it's a... Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, there are nutritional values in it, uh, but when you count the blueberries in a muffin as the fresh fruit, that doesn't count. It's ridiculous. Um, 
So, no, I mean, we, we made it a point um, after tons of trial, after, you know, years ago, giving our kids day-old uh, sugary donuts, um, <laughs> we, we realized that, of course, I mean, kids are not eating at school, if, especially, you know, during the first year when they arrive. Um, they don't know what macaroni and cheese is. Right. Um, and, you know, they may not eat a good breakfast at home. Then they go to school, they skip lunch, and then they come to a center and if you give them a cheese stick, I mean, they're, they're hungry and they're not happy. And an unhappy child cannot learn. Yeah, and they stick. don't even know what they're eating. Right, they're not familiar with it. Um, so um, at the same time, I mean, we, we wanted to participate in programs uh, where, you know, catered food um, come to a center. But it was, you know, it may just be just a company that we hired to do this through the state or whatever. Um, but it was not appealing to eat at all. Wow. And um, I, it, we ended up like wasting a lot of food and money. Um, so we decided two years ago to just go above and beyond anything that we have tried before. So we almost, we doubled the amount of money that we spend in food. Um, and we partnered with Aldersgate. Aldersgate is amazing. They Basically, they subsidize the amount, the, the the cost of the food per meal per kid per day. Wow! Um, and we receive you. We still use the money from um, from the state, uh, and they're super flexible and they allow us to do this, which is fantastic. We receive money from the Jewish Community Center, Sisters of Mercy, and we all um, put out, you know, from these different pockets, we put in a big bucket, and we offer our kids the same quality of meals that other skate residents get. And that to me, it's amazing. You know, our kids eat, um, when they come from school, they get, you know, their uh, roasted, fresh roasted chicken that has been, you know, roasting all day. Um, you know, fresh vegetables, salads, uh, Greek yogurt with berries. Um, the ranch or the dressing for the salad has been done. Um, it's homemade, done on the day. So it's just a super, super fresh. It's culturally sensitive. The kids have a say on it. Um, and they eat as much as they can. So it's not like, you know, here's your plate, here's your ratio of, you know, two ounces of meat and that's it. I mean, they eat as much as they want. Um, and same thing with the fruits. I mean, throughout the center um, last year, there were bowls with fruit as you will have in your house and they would just grab it. And um, that also teaches kids, you know, to uh, make better choices for their bodies and understanding, you know, um, why it's, it's, uh, it's not okay to eat so much sugar. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a balanced diet and um, it's, it's awesome. By the end of the year, we have kids just eating the, <laughs> the you know, spinach and, and broccoli it was great. Um, at the same time, we had a garden and we uh, grew a lot of like spices, um, not spices, um, herbs that we use for a cooking club. Um, so that was cool too. Yeah, tell us about that cooking club. So we have a cooking club. Thursdays it was cooking club. So we had like robotics and um, soccer, art. Um, some of our kids went down to Aldersgate um, to read with the residents there. That was super sweet. And some kids had um, the cooking club and they rotate. Um, so for cooking club, the kids will, have, will take turns by culture and they will prepare a recipe um, and we will take them to the store, right? It will be like the Nepali store or the Asian market or um, the halal store. And they will buy the ingredients to their recipe and they will put us to work. I love that. And um, 
it was awesome. It was great um, because, you know, I mean, it was, it was funny. I mean, they would make um, manipuri or uh, samosas or whatever. And a lot of the kids that did not, you know, that did not know or, or were not from that country, they were looking like this when they were like going around. What is that? And then at the end, we all ate it. It was just amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was very cool. I love the fact that you focus on, at least whenever possible, trying to make dishes that are culturally appropriate or at least culturally familiar so that they're enticed to eat. And then you combine that with the fact that it's fresh and not just some random processed stuff. Yeah. And you're also getting a lot of funding that seems to be donation-based. Am I reading into that properly? Yeah, so it's donation grants. Um, it's a it's it's a whole our bridge. It's 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 core. It's a it's a community wide effort. You know, I mean, there's nothing that we can do on our own. This it's uh, we received uh, funding from several sources, and um, everybody it's 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 into this. You know, it's it's a whole different approach to after school. Um, yeah, so I mean, so that happened with um, during the school year when COVID hit, we talked to our parents and we realized that um, the number one concern was A, having their kids at home all day long, B, losing their jobs left and right. Um, and so food was a, was a huge issue um, and still is. Um, so we very fairly quickly, we decided to just throw out of the window all of our summer plans. Um, of course, we weren't going to do any field trips or, and we tried for a little bit um, during the school year, at the end of school year, the um, online remote support. And we did it with some degree of success. But we also realized that kids cannot be on the computer all the time. So um, we focused uh, 100% on being community present um, and just getting partnerships and putting all the pieces together to offer uh, family style meals to families in that were registered with our bridge and families in the neighborhood um, for like Monday through Sunday since then. And right now we have, hold on, I wrote it. As of, as of two, as of Saturday, we would have um, provided 131,724 meals. That is unbelievable. And I think I remember you mentioning that you're serving somewhere in the vicinity of 3,500 a week or so. Is that right? Yeah, right, right, right now. Um, the highest, uh, the, the highest one where um, we were getting just 1,500 a day from CF from the schools. Um, plus like 400. So we were doing about 2000 a day at some point. Man, that is just amazing. That is so cool. And the fact that you get help from the community is great. And did you also say that in some cases you've also received a helping hand from residents at Aldersgate as well, at least pre-COVID? So um, residents at Aldersgate, they were quarantining pretty hard. <laughs> So we, I haven't really seen, uh, Anna, we missed him so much. Um, during the school year, yes. I mean, we had residents from other state coming over and helping us with snacks and they will bake cookies and, um, you know, we will go over there and read with them. But um, since COVID had, you know, and, and other state being a high risk population, um, I know other state has been really good at keeping them safe. Um, yeah, so we haven't, we haven't seen them, but you know, other state is always there. As soon as I, I have a question, um, all of them are super responsive and, and supportive. Super cool. And as far as working with the kids then, uh, since the COVID situation, how have you had to modify your daily operations? So we, um, 
we have been working Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday, basically. Um, a lot of that in the neighborhoods. Like um, we had, um, we, we created like very strict protocols for driving, um, wearing masks, you know, um, um, gloves and, but all of our, uh, up until, what are we, September? The end of July, we were, everything was outdoors. Um, so, you know, to keep everybody safe. Now we are kind of preparing the, for the year and, you know, making changes in the building. Um, making space for, um, you know, physical distanced um, learning. Um, we have been bringing, like, the families that have been, like, in dire need of just connecting because they, it has been three weeks and the kids have never been into their uh, computers. Um, so we, we have been, you know, with kind of like, um, you know, by, uh, what do you call it? Like, when, when um, by appointment? You know, I mean, just come in and we have the parents and we have the kids and we connect them uh, and they go on their way. And we make sure that the teachers know that they are connected. The parents know what the kids have to catch up with. The kids know how to go, what to do. It. Uh, so we've been doing that. Uh, we've been doing a lot of um, support as far as, you know, trying to get on the Internet. Um, and um, last week we had our first um, parent night and it was it was it was great to have, you know, people back at the center, but we had Burmese, Nepali parent nights and two Spanish speaking parent nights, um, just to explain what the school is offering and what's going on. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's been nice to see them again. Awesome. Well then I think now is the perfect time for us to talk to these OG students that we've been alluding to this entire time. What do you say? Okay, I'm excited. All right, then. Diksha, Priksha, Bob and Prasant, and Karuna, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having us. Yay, we're here. <laughs> Woohoo! Hey, so uh, I am really excited to talk to you all, and I'd really like to discuss your experience with Our Bridge for Kids. And as you know, Seal is here with us as well. So I've already gotten some background. I know that you're all from Nepal, and we have a lot of cool stuff to talk about. So just to get us started, if you could do us a favor, tell us your name and how old you are. That way we can kind of learn your voices since there's so many of you on. Diksha, let's start with you. Well, I'm Diksha, and I am 15 years old. Hi, I'm Priksha Bajel, and I am 16 years old. Uh, 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 hi, everyone. My name is Bobin Mishra, and I'm 15 as well. Hi, my name is Karuna, and I'm 15 years old. My name is Prasant, and I'm 13 years old. Okay, so you guys are all pretty close in age then. Uh, that, that, that's pretty awesome. And if I understand this properly, some of you are actually related, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, so for those of you that are related, are you siblings? Yes. Prasant is my little brother. Ah, gotcha. Okay. And for those of you that are not related, did you meet each other for the first time while going through the Arbridge for Kids program? We did meet at the Arbridge program, but I'm related to Diksha somehow through my um, dad, uh, dad's side. And then I'm also related to Bobbin somehow through my dad's side. But we're like distant cousins, not like, you know, first. It's more like off the family line. Ah, I got it. So, Karuna, what you're saying is, as far as you all being here and being a part of this program, there are definitely some ties with all of you in some capacity besides just our bridge, right? Mm -hmm. Cool. Awesome. 
So now I came to learn that with the Arbridge program, you don't necessarily stay in it through the entire length of your scholastic career. So Prasant, can you explain uh, to us a little bit about that? Like for you, how the program works, when you started it, and when did your time with the program officially come to an end, if it actually has yet? Uh, I guess I started when I was in kindergarten. And I don't know, uh, because I'm in eighth grade right now. And if school starts ever and our bridge, <laughs> you know, starts again, maybe I can go. Okay. But, but right now, I guess it's ended. All right. So then for those of you who have finished it, when, when did you uh, complete the scholastic part of the program? Okay, well, um, I think we went until in fifth grade. Well, I didn't go in fifth grade because I was being petty, a little petty. <laughs> but the others, they went until fifth grade and then we all moved away. So our like locations didn't fit. But uh, if we hadn't, and I don't think they had middle schoolers then, did you, Miss Sylvia? No. So the back then, when we used to go to our bridge, they only went up to fifth grade. So we didn't have an opportunity to go like middle school. So that's why. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. So y'all became known as the OGs because you were back there at the very beginning in the early days and you went through the program, you finished it for the most part, and you kind of became role models for other kids that look up to you. So I wanted to ask you, how do you like being referred to as the OGs? Do you think it's pretty awesome? It feels great because it's kind of like a long commitment that we've we've had with our bridge and you know being the first original members you know that kind of makes this a little bit special yeah I, well personally i think i like the attention so <laughs> karuna likes the attention huh bob and how about you man how do you like being referred to as an og um, I think our bridge, uh, it's an exclusive club. I think OGs is like maybe 10 people at max. So it's very exclusive. But I think the great thing about OGs is I think we all will be in the our bridge sphere and forever. And so it's really good. Yeah, I have no doubt. Do you remember who was the first person to refer to you as OGs? Myself. Are you sure? I think I got it from one of you. Mm-mm. We said we were like the original members, and then you started calling us OGs. Oh, could be. Could be. Yeah. I feel like it was Amit. Oh, I think you're right. I think it was Amit. Who's Amit? Amit is another OG. I'm a little older. Um, Amit was a year older than Brigsha Bowen Karuna and, um, and Bowen. Um, and, and the funny part is, you know, Brigsha Karuna. Prasant, um, Priksha Karuna, Diksha, and Prasant um, have been with us, around us forever, constantly. But then Babin, when I think Babin, you moved when you were like in third grade, right? Or fourth grade? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He moved to, um, not even, he moved away from the city, right? I mean, for like an hour away. And we kind of lost touch. And Babin always stayed, you know, within the conversation. But when we reunited with Babin, Babin was like a three Babin, one, one on top of the other. It was just amazing. And that was like 2017 that we kind of reunited. I just, I cried that night because, I mean, we had this idea of, of Babin always being there. And when he returned, it was amazing. Yeah. 
So you guys are a part of this amazing group of Arbridge kids, and within this already amazing group, you are the groundbreaking crew, which is now and forever referred to as the OGs, which I think is freaking awesome. Sil, I meant to ask you then just a final bit of clarification on something we already touched on. What is the normal length of time that people go through the program? Is there an official duration of enrollment? And is there a point where you just say, okay, you've graduated, you're now free birds? So up until last year, we had K-8. So Prasan was the, the, the first one that actually stayed enrolled in the program since kindergarten uh, up to eighth grade. So last year, we had a little celebration and graduation. But oh, awesome. You know, graduating middle school doesn't mean that they're going to be over with our bridge, as you can see. For sure. I mean, they're going to be um, coming back for volunteering and, and, you know, for parties and celebrations. And um, we try to keep, you know, all of the kids coming back as, as for as long as they want. So really, there's no ending. No, that makes sense. Schedule. Yeah. Cool. So then I would like to ask each of you to describe what it was like growing up with Our Bridge and to take that even one step further, why you feel the program is important and how did you come to realize the importance and the impact of what you were all involved in? Well, when I first came here, I didn't know anything about Our Bridge. When I first heard of them, it was like a refugee immigrant kind of group, right? Mm-hmm. And we just started going there and they started teaching us. And like, that's where our English developed, you know, Sure. like as of now I'm fluent, we're fluent because of it. And it's like a diverse group, not only Nepali, anything is all diverse. Yeah. Yeah. Say that. Yeah. Well, thanks, Diksha. That's great. And I'm assuming then that each of you actually still speaks Nepali on a regular basis. Yes. Cool. So each of you is now bilingual. Yeah. So then, Dixia, I am curious, was there a part of the experience that really stuck with you, that really resonated with you? Did you realize the significance of what you were involved in when you started doing this? And even now, I suppose. Well, my English, my reading skills got better because of the tutors, tutors there, like Miss Linda and all the other tutors. Mm-hmm. And as of now, I'm speaking like this, so it's because of them, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. And Priksha, what was your experience then? How did you feel as you were working your way through school and all of the cool activities that you got to do at Arbridge? Well, um, it was very educational. Like Dixia like said, when we came here or like when we started our bridge, we didn't know any English at all. Maybe we knew how to say like hi and bye, <laughs> but like it was very hard communicating. I felt like we would often say some Nepali words to Miss Sylvia and them, maybe for communicating. <laughs> but we had Miss Linda who always brought like one, one of the kids into a little station thing and made us read. She made us read books, and as as more we like grew our um, reading grade levels, the more harder the books got. So that really helped us improve our reading skills, um, and our communication skills, and our grammar. So I feel like if it wasn't for our bridge, I would not be that good with my English right now, because I've seen a lot of people who came to America for years, and their English is still not like. It's not still that good, yeah. but 
I feel like I would be the same if I had it was for if, if it was not for um our bridge. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, Prasant, why don't you tell us about your experience uh, with our bridge? Well, I guess my experience with the program was awesome because, like, like the others mentioned, their English was not that good, and and Miss Linda helped us grow. But like, when you ask Diksha the significance of our bridge, yeah, I think. The day I realized that is when I got to go to Washington D.C. to like have a chance to talk with the I don't know who it was and then like some important people about you know the hour bridge after schools and I think from that day I realized like oh dang I have a big job like you know I need to make sure our bridge is worldwide known and like so more kids can come here and have the same experience like we do. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. So you actually got to represent the organization. Can you dig a little deeper on that for us? Well, I guess uh, I, w- one day Miss Li- Miss Silk came up to us and said, "Do you want to go to Washington D.C. and talk to the like the the people?" And and I was like, "Okay, why not?" And then she was like, "You know, you need to get ready for your speeches and stuff like that." And uh, and it was like about how how we need to save our bridge or like not our bridge like we need to save other after schools so so they can get the same uh i guess money so they can help their kids grow and they can get them like school like the teachers don't get enough money to pay for the teacher for the students to uh learn or get education better so I guess that's the same thing with our bridge that I got the chance to go to Washington, D.C. for. That's awesome, man. So you got to share some personal testimonials in the hopes of maybe getting more funding for the program or getting the word out about what benefits our bridge has to society. Yeah. Cool. Sil, would you mind elaborating on that just a little more for us, please? So um, it was, um, you know, our, our bridge, like many after-school programs, received federal funding from a grant called 21st Century. And at the time, 21st Century funding was going to be eliminated from the federal fiscal budget. Um, so several advocacy groups in D.C. reached out to us and to a few other groups in the country to actually go to D.C. with families and kids and advocate for the importance of 21st Century after-school programs. Um, so I reached out to Prasant and Priksha's family. We actually went with their mom um, and another former bridge kid who's now in um, in in the university. And uh, we, the kids, got to like practice their speeches. And we they, they met at the offices of Congressman Tillis, Congressman Burr, and Congresswoman Alma Adams. And I was I was mind blown by how eloquent and how how prepared they were. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So you guys are part of a program now that is definitely known on a national level. Oh, yeah. And so, Karuna, how about you? You want to tell us your experience with all of this? To be honest, my experience with our bridge in the beginning was kind of rocky because I have this vivid memory of how... So we we took a bus to our bridge after school. And then the bus would first stop at where our house was, like our house stop. And some of us would get off instead of going there. And I was one of, I was in my rebellious form. Oh my God. And me and Diksha and then a couple of others would get off. Right, Bobbin? You remember? (laughs) Because we didn't want to go. And Miss Sill one day, she, she got on her van. She knocked on all of our doors and she was like, 
get, get up, you're going right now. <laughs> right, because your parents weren't at home and you were supposed to be at the center. Yeah, so ever since then, and then since that happened, we came up with like a contract with Miss Hill that every Monday we didn't have to go. We could get off at home at our stops. And that memory was like, it's so vivid. Because now when I look back at it, like, why did I do that? It was an amazing place. And when I was about to graduate, I remember, like, I moved houses too and they didn't have, like, a middle school program. So I was so sad because I was close with a lot of the teachers and the students. And then I wouldn't have that experience after school anymore. I wouldn't get that homework help anymore. I was, like, really kind of frustrated. I was like, how am I going to do my homework? Like, if I'm stuck on a question or something or something or like I don't know because whenever that happened to me like tutors would help me for example this one time in fifth grade I had to do like this poster it was like a what was it I think it was a fair or something I had to make up the science fair yeah the science fair and I had no idea how to do that but one of the tutors helped me step by step come up with what I wanted to do make a poster got all the supplies for me so Honestly, when I was about to, like, leave it, I was really sad. I thought, like, I might drift apart from them and, like, not have that second family to go to anymore. Somehow, I don't think that would ever be in the cards for you. I think you guys are bonded forever, clearly. Forever and ever. (laughs) Oh. Now, obviously, through this kind of a program, you've all learned English and you all speak very well and you've been able to navigate your way through the scholastic system and homework and all of that mumbo jumbo and you got to do all kinds of cool things. I'm curious then, what do your folks think about the program? Were they excited as they saw all the ways you progressed through the years at Arbridge? Priksha, why don't you answer that one? I'm sure that my parents are the most grateful people in the world because of how much they have helped us and every time even if it was financial wise or we needed help on like paying for some bills or or translating some you know what I mean just lawful stuff they would be like contact us we will help you and that's just very like you you don't have a person like that to do that to you like normal people do not have people to help them with um like maybe paying taxes or something but our bridge would always say if you ever need help translating or help to how to fill this out you can always call on us we will always help you so that is very generous and we are really grateful for that and because of our bridge their kids which is us we've really grown and we know how to speak fluent english and we can help our parents now and i'm pretty sure they're the most grateful people for that. Yeah, that's actually a pretty big thing, I think, that a lot of people have that ability to do a little bit of a role reversal. You know, you spend the first part of your life, your parents take care of you and kind of get the ball rolling for you. And now you have the chance to do the same for them to help them acclimate, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, like me and my brother, we've taught our dad and now he speaks better than us. What? (laughs) That's epic. So clearly you all have a deep love for this program and I get a really good understanding after speaking with you kind of some of the things that it entails. I'd like to know then what were some of your favorite activities or things you got to do at Our Bridge? Bobbin, let's start with you. 
Uh, I think my favorite activity we ever did was probably around Halloween time. And so uh, I think like every kid had a pumpkin, right? And so we would carve it, put our hands in it. And then uh, Halloween was definitely my favorite time, especially costume wearing as well. It was awesome at our bridge. Yeah, so you like the costumes, but you also like to dig around inside that nasty pumpkin and pull out all the guts. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was awesome. That is pretty sweet. Uh, Diksha, how about you? What are some of your favorite activities or things that you got to do? Um, every Fridays I had fun. So anything they did, I was just, well, I, my friends, they were not the sporty type, you know, at that time. So I would usually go outside and play soccer, you know, and all that. Oh, so you <laughs> like to do, you know, soccer and sports mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, Prasant, didn't I hear that you played basketball? Would you say that that was uh, maybe one of your favorite activities that you got to do? No, I think my favorite activity till the day I die would be Smoothie Day. <laughs> that was so fun. Did you say Smoothie Day? Smoothie Day. Like, we, we would have money, right? And then they would tell us, like, the prices of different ingredients. So it was like helping, like, what's it called? Up our math skills, but at the same time having fun. Okay, so you would go buy smoothies, or were you guys uh, making the smoothies? Like, you would go tell them what ingredient you want and, like, the money. And you, and, you, and then you would give them the fake money and they would make it for you. But, but I think that was, like, an occasional thing. Yeah. It's once a year. We still do it. So we transform the entire center in, like, a smoothie shop. And each child has a, an amount of fake money, you know, monopoly money. And then we have all the ingredients in the board and each child can choose whatever they want. And each ingredient has a different amount, I mean, a different cost. So they have to calculate how much. And I think like the older kids these days have to actually include, you know, the taxes and the tip. Um, yeah. So they still do that every, every year. And also the pumpkin. That's another, um, annual tradition. That's really cool. So they're actually learning the commerce side of things as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. Priksha, I think it's your turn. Okay. Uh, like Bobbin said, um, when we were like in fourth grade, we used to, Halloween day, we used to decorate the whole center. Do you remember what decorations? Like we'd put strings all over and spiders and ghosts. And that it just used to be a blast to do it with your friends. And, and like, it was really enjoyable. And I remember one time Bobbin dressed up like a vampire. Uh-huh. And I dressed up like Cinderella, so that was really fun. Awesome. Karuna, I don't think we've heard from you yet, so what do you say? Okay, so, like, um, one of my favorite times is, like, every Thursday we had club day, right? I think it was every um, Thursday. And then it was, I think, around third grade or fourth grade, we had this, like, wonderful, wonderful opportunity, some of the girls to go to this dance studio and learn how to dance. And then oh, we had to yes. present a dance. And that was really, like, wonderful. That was my first time ever dancing. <laughs> and we did it for, like, a whole year. We practiced for a whole year, the whole routine, and then we would present it in front of everybody, which is kind of embarrassing, but a great experience. Oh, there's nothing embarrassing about that. I think anytime you get to do a live performance and display your talents, it's giving people a chance to see another side of you that they may not get to see as often. So I think that's super cool. 
All right. So I've got just one more question for you all to kind of bring us home here. If you could say something to the community and even the world about the impact that the program has had on you and that you think it has had on kids in general, what would you say to people? How would you let people know that this is a really important program? Priksha, what are your thoughts? Well, I would tell them about how much they have helped me and helped a lot of other people and how much it would help their kids. You're not forced to join, but it would be a really good idea or maybe the best idea you would ever make in your lifetime (laughs) to join. Best idea ever, huh? Yes. Awesome. All right, Karuna, let's hear from you on this one. For me personally, Arbridge has like kind of driven me to try harder because I would always be doing my homework because I wanted to succeed in life later. And also, it's made me more open-minded. Like, I'm just more open-minded to other cultures and LGBT, because whenever we would talk about those subjects, Miss Sil would always be like, it's okay, there's nothing wrong with being a little bit different. Different is good. Flaws are okay. And that's just like, that's just the mindset I've, grown up with things starbridge that's a great mindset to have for sure Prasant, what would you say to people i would tell them how like diverse it is like there's so many different cultures represented like in the new center we have this chart a pie chart that shows all the all the different countries that pe- that the kids come from and it's like it's there's uh, some tutors that help you in some of your strengths and weaknesses. Like let's say you want to learn sports, we have Mr. Nate for basketball and Mr. I, f- I forgot the other tutor's name. And and for soccer, I think uh, we ha- who plays soccer at the center? Uh, Mr. Carlos. I I don't know who that is. Mr. Carlos likes soccer. Oh, Mr. Oh, 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 yeah, Mr. Carlos likes soccer too. So, so I guess we have different tutors that can help you in different like sports. Like Miss Lucy can help you in baseball. Like we used to play baseball. And let's see, I think I think that's all I know of right now. But it's just it's just very awesome. <laughs> it definitely is very awesome, Bobbin. What do you want to say to the world about our bridge? Uh, I think I, I would probably tell them about the cultural impact that Arbridge has. Uh, there are so many countries at Arbridge, so many kids, so many different ideas, and people just coming together to uh, learn and, uh, and and all that. And so it's really great if you want to learn about a bunch of different cultures and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Diksha, closing this one out with you. I would tell them how Arbridge, like, how our bridge is involved in the community. Like as people would donate some things and like people who didn't have much money and all that, they could have that. And I would tell them that our bridge is free of cost, you know, and it's a fun place for young kids to learn and about different cultures and to learn new things. And our bridge treat their kids as their own with love. And I would say that's a good experience for everyone to have. I think you're right. Well, I know that each of you is going to be forever involved in the program, whether it's just coming back for visits from time to time or helping out with different programs. 
I think that's beyond awesome. And I want to thank all of you for hanging out with us today and sharing your perspectives. I think it's important that the world hears from the people who have been through such an amazing program. And congratulations to each of you for being successes and for doing so well for yourselves. I think you're all amazing and truly inspirational. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having us. Yeah, and Syl, thank you for being so awesome and making this whole thing happen. Oh, thank you. And thank you all, kids. I love you so much. Thank you, Miss Sylvia. We love you more. Bye. Hi, everyone. Wow, that was just amazing. They're they're amazing. They're amazing kids. Definitely. Now, I just had a couple of more final closing questions for you. So we've talked about all the things that the program provides and all the things that you provide and all the things that you're doing for the community and for the world. Now it's time to ask, what can people do to support you and to support our bridge for kids? Oh, wow. So I learned through, if there's one thing from COVID that I've learned is that partnerships and awareness go a long, long, long way. So you never know who knows who or who can guide you to what, right? So it's, it's one easy thing is yes, donate, right? Write a check and, and help us. Um, but go beyond that and think, you know, what connections do you have that will help us make other connections to create a better, bigger network of support? Um, I think that has been the only reason why we were able to, you know, do this 131,000 meals. Um, it wasn't because just people donated. It was because just people came forward and said, hey, I know this person or I heard of this opportunity or I know the owner of this restaurant. And um, just always being aware that everyone can support and, and be part of this, you know, whether they can write a check or not. So, I mean, I, I would love people to just, um, you know, reach out and learn about us and learn about um, our approach and just ask questions, you know, and the other part, I mean, awareness of what our families are going through, but also, you know, how important they are to the health of our community. And not just because of the contributions they make, but because they're human beings and because they're our neighbors and because it is our community. Um, so, yeah. And where can they find you online? Do you have a website? Do you have social media pages? Yeah, so the website is um, joinourbridge.org. And uh, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, um, Our Bridge Kids. All right. And what final thoughts do you have as we close this out? What else would you like to say to the world about the program and the impact it has had on so many lives? I would love to grow this program to the point where every child who's new to the United States can have a place to go like our bridge. Um, I don't know how to get there. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I know there are people out there that can help us make it happen either with their experience, uh, guidance. Um, you know, we, we need to figure out how to make it um, replicable and how to take it to other places because the need is there. Um, imagine if every child who doesn't speak English yet could go to a place like our bridge, everyone in the country. Um, and that's, that's like the ultimate goal. And, you know, the sky's the limit. I know we can do it. We know how to do it. We know what it takes. Um, we need the expertise and, and, and that hand to help us get there. Um, so, yeah. That would be that would be very cool. 
And, you know, I mean, it will be for the kids that attend that program in every city in the country, but also for the entire community in that country and in that city. And that would be amazing. Yeah, it would be amazing. And I, for one, think it's an incredible program. Bless you for what you're doing. I think it's helping to make the world a better place for sure. So if all of you out there in radio land and podcast land want to help out, you want to learn more, reach out to SEAL, reach out to Arbridge Kids, go to their website, check them out on social media, like the pages, share the pages, follow the pages, and tell everybody in the world about them. And that's just one small step that we can do to help out this amazing organization. Seal, thank you so much for joining us here today on Aldersgate On Air. You are an absolute blast to talk to, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for you and our bridge. Thank you so much. Have a great, great, great day night. Thanks again to Seal, Diksha, Priksha, Prasant, Bobbin, and Karuna for taking the time to hang out with us today. As you can tell, Seal is very passionate about Our Bridge for Kids. She has worked wonders for countless numbers of kids and families and really taken a grassroots organization and grown it into so much more than anyone thought possible. And how about those kids? How cool was it to hear from them firsthand about what Our Bridge has meant to them? But don't just take my word for it. Reach out to Our Bridge by going to their website at joinourbridge.org and following them on all their social media. And you'll get an even bigger picture of what they're really all about and how many lives they truly impact. And don't forget to send us your thoughts, questions, comments, and ideas to onair at aldersgateccrc.com so we can keep on keeping you entertained and informed. Now don't even think about going anywhere because we're not done with our bridge yet. This is only part one. Coming up next in part two, I speak to an Aldersgate resident who has an amazing story of self-discovery and how he turned that discovery into a vehicle to become a mentor for some Arbridge kids. So stick around and I'll talk to you very soon at Aldersgate On Air.